Okay, today we're going to be talking about the month of Tevet and the fast day, the 10th of Tevet that occurs um, later this week. We'll start with the month and we'll move into the specific fast of Tevet. So the spelling of Tevet is Tet Bet Tav. Which, if you would put a vav between the tet and the vav, it would be tovat, goodness, an act of goodness. The fact that the vav is missing is significant. Because this tells us a lot about the month of Tevet. As we're going to see, there are certain months where the energy is like pretty much all positive. And there are other months where the energy is somewhat mixed. We look, we, uh, if, if you remember, like when we discussed Kislev, so Kislev, almost all of the um, associations are, are very, very positive. But in Keshvan, if you remember, it was, it was a month without any holidays, and it was kind of like this mixed kind of energy, and we, we talked about it then, and I'll, I'll emphasize now, is that Ein Mazali Yisrael. There is no uh, rulership of the constellations over Israel. As long as we are in tune with the Torah. If we're not in tune with the Torah, we're also under the influence of the Mazalot. <clears throat> we all are under the influence, but the expression Ein Mazali Yisrael is telling us that we have a greater power than nature, than the, the power of the constellations and astrology. <clears throat> so this month, is, is, as we'll see, it's kind of a mixed month. It has a lot of good and a lot of potentially not so good. So we see that very, very clearly in the fact that the beginning of this month was still Hanukkah. In fact, Hanukkah is the only holiday that stretches between two months. It begins in Kislev and it ends in Tevet. And, and, and actually the culmination of Hanukkah, Zot Hanukkah, is in Tevet. So obviously it, there's a tovat here. There's an aspect of great goodness here. We'll discuss it more later, but just eight days later we have a fast day. So, and, and we'll learn the importance of this fast day. So, like I said, it's a mixed energy. It's interesting to note that the word in the Torah, when Aaron Cohen would um, prepare the menorah for lighting, it was called Hatavat Ha-Nerot, Hatavat Ha-Or, like the preparation for the light, which is the same root as Tevet. So it's interesting that Hanukkah comes out in, this, in 
partly in the month that has the same verb for arranging the lights of the menorah. Okay, so if you look at your sheet, we see that the letter for the month of Tevet is Ayin. And to understand that is the discussion we were having before we started the class uh, about Hanukkah, how everyone was sitting by the Hanukkah lights and looking at them. What does the letter Ayin mean? I. That's what the letter means, I. So obviously it's very, very connected to what's called tikkun ha'inayim, fixing the eyes. And so, in fact, in, in, in the book on Hanukkah, I used that expression a number of times, that by looking at the candles, it helps us rectify, heal, improve, get deeper, whatever, <clears throat> whatever expressions we want to use. So Hanukkah itself is a lot about the usage of the eyes. Because when you think of the other mitzvot, <clears throat> we don't say we have to look at the matzah, or we have to look at the um, arba meaning. We have right? to look at them to... No, you know, look at them, but when I mean like, like the mitzvah is very connected, the mitzvah is to light the candles. Theoretically, you can light them and walk away, you've done the mitzvah. That's what we discussed at, at length, what we don't want to do. We don't want to just light the candles and walk away. We want to look at them. And in, in um, uh, ha, ha, Nerot ha, Halalu, so we say, Ein Rashut Ella Bilvad. That's the whole thing, is to look at them, is to, is to, is to look. So it's very connected to the ayin of this month, <clears throat> where um, actually Hanukkah culminates in Zot Hanukkah, all eight lights. That's like the, the full manifestation of Hanukkah. On the other hand, look at the tribe of the month, is Dan. Now, it, it just turns out it's this week's Parsha when Yaakov is giving the blessings for the various tribes. And um, Rashi brings, and when he got to the tribe of Dan, um, he, like, he, there's the expression of, of redemption, of redemption. And Rashi says, what did he see? He saw Shimshon. He saw the soul of Shimshon would come from Dan. Shimshon, in, in Masechet Sota, they, they say, why, why did Shimshon have to suffer being blinded by the Philistines? They say because he went after his eyes with different women. He went after his eyes. <clears throat> so here's a very, very deep connection here that the letter of this month is Ayan, and the tribe of the month is Dan, and that's what Rashi says. Uh, the whole blessing 
of Dan was based on his vision of seeing, prophetic vision of seeing the soul of Shimshon and everything that he would go through. So again, we could um, expand this greatly, but um, here we see a, a, a very um, deep connection with the eyes and Tevet and Hanukkah and Shimshon and Dan. And let's look at the word Dan. Dan is the, call it the noun for the verb, Din. Le, le dun. So, and what was Shimshon? What was his position? He was a judge. He was a judge. So it's a very deep connection that Shimshon, probably the most famous person to come out of the tribe of Dan, he, that was his, his tafki, that was his uh, role. He was the judge. He was the judge in that, in that generation. Now this is connected to the sense of the month. And this we're going to spend a little time on. It's rogez, which is anger. Not cause. Not cause. It's, it's similar. It's similar. We'll even discuss the, the connection. Is uh, anger. Now if you look at all of the senses, you'll see that this one stands out from all the others because even though all, many of the others can be used for good or not so good, but when, when we say Dibur speech, we think of the power of speech, of good speech. Thought. Obviously, <coughs> we can have crazy thoughts, very uh, negative thoughts. But as a sense, our first reaction is something positive. But with Rogas, it's like, whoa, why is rogas one of the senses? It's like, it seems like very, very negative. The Gemara basically says, and Hasidut, and Musar, everything, everyone says anger is among the worst personality characteristics a person can have, it's anger. Uh, I have to say, Reb Shlomo used to speak about this all the time, how we have to get anger out of our hearts. That's one of the most important tikkunim that a person could do in their whole life, is to get anger out of our hearts. Because we all know how destructive anger is. It, is, it, it eats you up alive. Anger and jealousy, it just can just literally eat your insides out. So what is meant here? What, why is anger a sense of... This is obviously connected to this kind of mixed energy of Tevet. That we have the beginning of the month Hanukkah, and then we have, as we'll see, in a certain sense, the most important of all the fast days. Even though many people think, whoa, Tisha B'Av. Um, Yudzayin Batamuz, why would you say the tenth of Tevet? That we'll get to in a few minutes. <coughs> so, having said that anger is one of the, absolutely the worst things, in fact, the Gemara says someone who has no control over their anger 
It's as if they're worshiping idols. That's how serious Hazal saw anger, especially displayed anger. Now, many people have a certain control of anger. They don't express it to the outside. But we all know the inner turmoil of, of anger. So there's two levels. There's, there's an anger where we express it, and many times it has very destructive consequences when we, in speech, um, express our anger, or sometimes in, in action. Um, I don't know the statistics exactly, but I, I read once that the majority of all murders are called murders of passion. It happened in the moment. There's premeditated murder, which unfortunately happens, but that a lot of the, and it was a high percentage, I think it was a majority of, of I think it was in the United States, where they looked at all the different um, you know, terrible killings that are happening every day. A lot of them are just people who could not control their anger in the moment, and like road rage. I mean, when you read about these things, that people actually kill each other, because they, they can't control themselves. In that moment, they're not thinking, wow, if I get caught, I'm going to spend the rest of my life in jail. There's no sekel there, there's no dot. The anger wipes out any, any logic, any, any um, reason. reason, any organized thought. So having said that, we, so it's still a, a mystery, why is Rogas here? So the way I've learned it, there's two positive types of anger. And um, some people, actually my wife said this, I'll credit her, that the word kaas, which is another word for anger, that in a lot of usages is the type of anger we've been talking about. Just uncontrollable, <coughs> the person is just not control, in control at that moment and just lashes out. That's kaas. And rogas sometimes is used as righteous indignation. And we're told that righteous indignation is actually a very positive thing. Because in other words, example is you're listening to the radio and you hear of some terrible injustice, what you think is a terrible injustice. So there's two reactions is you hear it, you say, oh, that's terrible. Next thing, <laughs> like, it doesn't really touch you, right? It doesn't move you. It's like, you do feel like, wow, this is really wrong. This shouldn't be happening. But you don't, you don't react in any way. And then there are those times when you're faced with a, a terrible injustice where you get moved. Righteous indignation. That's the kind of rogues that is here. And without that, in a sense, people would not be moved to do anything. You have to be able to feel it. You have to integrate it to the point that you feel it and it bothers you. It really bothers you. Yes? It's like a pinchas. With pinchas. <laughs> that was righteous 
indignation. It's like, this can't be. This can't. Remember, Moshe, um, just in case people didn't hear the question, um, it's pointed out that uh, righteous indignation was the, the, um, the feeling or attitude that Pinchas had when um, he, he took the action that he did. And it's said that Moshe and all the elders were standing at the tents crying because they didn't know what to do. They saw it happening, and they knew it was wrong, of course, and, but they were at a loss of what to do. Pinchas, he, he like, this can't be. This can't be. That's righteous indignation. That's rogus. That's rogus. So that's a very positive thing. When it's used, of course, to make positive changes with injustice in the world. It, it can be a motiv motivational um, feeling that, uh, for example, it got people to write letters and complain and then yes. and that for, yeah. to get Rubashkin out of jail. Yes. And yes. In other words, without that, now it doesn't have to be raging anger, but without a, a certain amount of like really being upset about something, one is not going to act on it. We all have a million things to do. Unless I really care about this cause, um, I, 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 I have a full day. I have a full life. It has to be like make its, make its mark. So that's one type of anger that's very positive. The other type is what we're going to call feigned anger. And the, and the best um, examples of this is with our children. That as much as we want to show chesed and compassion and patience with our children, there are certain times that the lesson will not be learned without a very strong reaction on our part. It doesn't mean necessarily um, hitting or spanking or screaming or anything, but if the child doesn't perceive some kind of strong reaction to what they've done, they don't get it. They just, they don't get it. When a child runs out into the street and God forbid, is almost hit by a car. If the, if the parent under, um, yeah. underreacts, it, 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 it could put the child's life in danger. The, the, the parent has to feign anger, but the anger is really concern. It's not really anger, but the child has to perceive it a little bit as anger. So this is a second type of of positive um, uh, anger that's shown here. Now, what's interesting is um, ka'as, another type of anger, its numerical value is 150, which is 10 times 15, and 15 is ga'ava, pride. And in many, many books of Musar, and Hasidut, they say, well, where does the, 
the mida, the characteristic of anger, come from? And it really comes from ego. In other words, if I don't get my way, if someone has opinion other than me, if someone steps on my toes, it's the anger comes from, well, I'm the center of the world, and what right do you have to disagree with me, <clears throat> to get in my way, to interfere with what I want to be happening right now? <clears throat> so this is a, a very deep understanding of um, where anger is coming from. It's an overblown ego that is, in a sense, producing the anger. If someone is very humble and someone is very understanding, so if someone steps on your toes, whether verbally or literally, or literally, it's like, oh, it was a mistake, they didn't mean it, um, I'll get over it, not a big deal. But other people, it's like, they are the center of the world. So any infringement <clears throat> into, into my space will produce anger because it's not going the way my script is supposed to go. I have a script here. How can you not fit into my script? <clears throat> now, rogas is the same numerical value as yira, as fear or awe. And so we're told that, that this is the um, like antidote. The antidote of rogas <clears throat> is have, having a sense of, of yira. If we know that the sages teach us that expressing our anger is such a terrible thing, then part of our yira tashem is, well, I need to control my anger. At least not to express it outwardly in a destructive way. A more fundamental way is to deal with it so we're not internalizing it and it's like killing us from inside. So that's there are really two levels here. On a certain level, it's a, it's a pretty high level not to express our anger on the outside. We all know how many people have no problem expressing their anger <clears throat> verbally or through actions. <clears throat> so if we can control our anger, so um, that's a very, very good thing. If If then we can <clears throat> work on the inside, and the truth is, it's 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 a work of a lifetime to to be able to not get angry in the first place, and if we do, to process it that we can get over it quickly, because we're human beings, things happen to us, and are just our natural lower soul reacts with, with, with anger. But we have other levels of soul that we need to bring into the picture in order to not stay in that place. <clears throat> it's taught in Chassidut that we 
A person does not have complete control over their thoughts. We don't. But what we do have is once we've thought of something, then it becomes a decision whether we want to stay in that thought or fix it, heal it, move, move on. Okay, so that's about anger. We have lots more to do here. <clears throat> And this I'll just um, point out that the astrological sign is Capricorn. And the sign in Hebrew is Gedi, a goat. A goat. So what's the connection? What's the connection? So first of all, the word for um, goat in Hebrew is Ez. And this is connected to azut, <coughs> to chutzpah. And goats are considered such chutzpaniaks <laughs> that at one point the sages made it forbidden to have goats in Eretz Israel. They are very, very destructive. I know that um, on our moshav, over the years, different people have had small herds of goats and if you, you just turn your head and they, they can destroy a tree in two minutes. They have, the, have, they have no sense of boundaries and they're, they're just very destructive. And in fact, one of the reasons that um, that Eretz Yisrael, when we came back in the late 1800s, it was so barren, is because of really a few thousand years of animals grazing the land, eating all the trees. And we came back and <laughs> there wasn't much here. There wasn't much here. It was, they're very destructive. So the fact that they're connected to Tevet is it fits in very much with the anger <coughs> part of it. Um, and it's also pointed out, Rabbeinu uh, Bachai. So there are different uh, ideas about this. There's no one idea, but over the ages, different, um, different rabbis or sages have associated different nations with uh, different animals especially in, in the book of Daniel, where the, uh, the, his vision of the four exiles are associated with animals. Anyways, the, um, also that different nations are associated with different astrological signs. So Rabbeinu Bachai, interestingly enough, says that Capricorn, the Gedi is associated with the Philistines. Now, of course, this is very um, connected to us living in Eretz Israel, and they lived in Aza. That's that was their main headquarters, and the whole story of Shimshon, not just Shimshon. I mean, it was over hundreds of years that they were our main enemy. Also, the time of David. 
The Philistines were our main enemy. But what's interesting here is that the, 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 the tribe of this month is Dan. And we, we, we already said that this is uh, in Yaakov's blessings this week is associated with Shimshon. And Shimshon's whole story is wrapped up with his fighting the Philistines. One second. And, and uh, Rubenu Bahai points out that when Shimshon first is attracted to this Philistine girl, it's a whole story. Um, uh, he, he brings to her a goat. That was his like engagement present to her, was a goat. So it fits in here symbolically very much. Yes? What was the bracha Yaakov Shevet Dan? was that they should be like a snake in the derech, in the way, and that it would throw the horseman off of the horse. And then Yaakov says, says like an exclamation, for your salvation we hope God. God, we are hoping for your salvation. Because he saw in Shimshon, he saw messianic potential. And in fact, I learned from Rav Ginsburg that of all of the personalities in the entire Tanakh, the most messianic figure is Shimshon. Is Shimshon. Now, I just have to say, because we don't have time to get into it, if you read the story of Shimshon in English, or even just a simple Hebrew, there is absolutely no way to understand it. It is one of the most perplexing, illogical, mysterious stories in the whole Tanakh. If you just read the storyline, it's like, what is going on here? Why is he doing these things? How could he be a judge in Israel? You have to actually read the inner story. And there's a, there's a tremendous book. I'm not positive how available it is now, but maybe it's called uh, the, the Struggle of Samson. It is a phenomenal book. Until I read this book, I had no concept what this story was about. I had no concept. And it's connected with the blessing that Yaakov gives to Shimshon. And you have to, excuse me, but we have to get to the 10th of Tevet. But Shimshon lived out his whole life according to the bracha that Yaakov gave to Dan. That's how he patterned his war against the Philistines. One, one man war against the Philistines, which is also like unbelievable. He went, an individual went to war against the whole nation. So like the right? Hashmonaim in the story of the Hanukkah. Right. In, in, a, in a sense, it is like the story of the Hashmonaim. The difference is though, the Hashmonaim began the battle and then thousands joined in, even though they were still overwhelmed. By Shimshon, he fought the war by himself. He fought like a one-person war against, against the Philistines. Anyways, it's very connected to this month. Very connected to this month.